This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. I'm your 2018 champ. Ethan Hamilton. And coming back at you after week three, 2020, of the NFL schedule. Uh, we are recapping all of the action from week three after uh, what I would say is some rather eventful or meaningful games that might have some uh, big consequences down the line. We had several pretty significant games happen over the weekend, and I think uh, we, I definitely feel, I don't know about you, I won't speak for you on that front, but I feel differently about some of these teams uh, after seeing Week 3 than I did uh, before Week 3. I'd say that's a pretty fair assessment, um, but the, the, the year is long, so we'll see how it goes. I would also say, even though there weren't a significant amount of uh, injuries like there were from week two, uh, I definitely feel different about my dynasty team as we move forward. But we're going to get into that as we get in through the rest of the show. So if you're not familiar with the show, this is the show where we prove Dynasty League Fantasy is the best form of fantasy football there is, and that you should be playing only Dynasty League Fantasy football. All right. Uh, if you'd like to contact the show, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate any feedback you have any of our lead members that would like to write into the show with uh, stuff that they would like to see on the show um i was uh, actually very grateful to see that several of our listeners uh, were popping up stuff from the podcast on the uh, uh league chat feed over the weekend so that was interesting <laughs> uh finally i will mention that um usually we have not been uh, in time uh, either on monday or tuesday in recording these shows in order to get my waiver wire column up for you but uh, I will make sure that I have a waiver wire column up for you on Tuesday morning, every Tuesday morning through the entirety of the NFL regular season slate uh, so that you have the most up-to-date information on stuff as uh, we go along and progress through this season and into the playoffs. Uh, so check back each Tuesday morning for that particular column. I also have my yay and nay list going up tomorrow, Thursday, um, which I think this is when this podcast is going to come out. Uh, you can take a look at that for our uh, week four slate of action. Uh, quick trade roundup. We did have one bit of feedback from a group member of our league as to quarterback valuations. And the specific question came in, uh, I, as the lucky, and I will say lucky, Patrick Mahomes owner, uh, have been asked by a particular member of our league, uh, what my valuation of Patrick Mahomes is. Now, I'm going to turn the question around a little bit. And I know what I have for him because there, there's a little bit of extra, and I, I will put my grade or my stamp on this for and basically give what the offers are. But if you had Patrick Mahomes, now forget the rest of your team, but just as a Patrick Mahomes owner, nothing else uh, a part of it, what do you think that you'd be willing to take to give him up? right now a lot um i mean you know and i i know this doesn't really help my cause because i'm really i'm one of those guys looking at patrick mahomes but um i was talking with one of my friends about it today um even in the rundown of your team and just the whole situation of where you're at injury wise and all that stuff 
he, asking him, he was like, I don't know if I would. I, I think he's one of those guys you just hang on to. And even if the prices or the offer is really, really good, I think it's still one of those things you might hold on to in the end. So I'm kind of interested to hear what you're going to say, where your offer, where your evaluation is for him. All right. So uh, there are a lot of different factors to go into this, and I will try and make this as quick as possible, even though it's not a quick statement. The league started off with uh, the number one pick overall when we changed to a dynasty format being Aaron Rodgers because he was the number one quarterback at the time. Now, in a league that is primarily filled with Packer fans, it was an added benefit of not only having the number one quarterback in the league for several years to come, your bona fide locked-in starter in a quarterback-friendly league. Now, we don't have more than the standard four points for touchdowns, but our yardage is only uh, 20 yards per point as opposed to 25, and we do have fairly easy bonuses at 300 and 400 yards passing that in today's modern NFL uh, favor the quarterback, plus big play uh, passing touchdowns that usually, especially for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he takes a lot of deep shots. That's going to aid his overall point value. Uh, you're talking about somebody would have to basically sell me their farm in order for me to want to trade him because it's like my baby. I got really lucky picking him up before he was going to be the starter the next year. And he has been so magical. He, to me, is the best quarterback in football. And I think he's an even better version of Aaron Rodgers. He's just an even more athletic uh, specimen that I, I just can't understand sometimes the things that he does no more evident than that pass in the Super Bowl where he hits the or Tyree kill fading away throwing it like 65 yards down the field with a bare flick of his wrist and it, it's just amazing to watch and then you give me the added benefit that I get a root for a guy that it's so fun to watch and I get to watch Chiefs games for probably the, at least the next five years where he's going to be the best quarterback in football and a uh, lock it in top five quarterback, you're going to have to make me an absolutely stupid offer in order to pry him away from me. I know that the evaluation and this particular person gave me a fairly credible offer. Deshaun Watson, who's been a top five quarterback most of his time in the league when he's not been hurt, and two first round picks, but... This particular person also finishes in the upper half of the league, and we don't do a snake draft. We do um, the draft based on your uh, finish in the standing, so it's more like the traditional NFL draft. So this, I would be basically getting two first-round picks at the back end of the draft, and I would be more or less giving up on my team in order to do it, even though I'd be getting fair market value. To me, that's not stupid enough to warrant trading away a guy that I just enjoy rooting for. Here's the thing. I don't know, and it has to do with Deshaun Watson. I don't know if that evaluation is, you know, he has been a top five quarterback. He was a top five quarterback, right? I don't think he still is a top five quarterback. I don't even think he still is a top 10 quarterback with the weapons that he has around him. And we're going to discuss it right now. And it's a question for everybody out there, so I'd really like to hear an email about it. Right now, if you're to start a fantasy team right now, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Joe Burrow, or would you rather have Deshaun Watson? So before, before, we, you, yeah. before we get to Joe Burrow, uh, let's do the, the evaluation of the other two that you have on this list, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Now, part of this is a projection ahead. 
Do you really think Bill O'Brien's going to be the coach of the Texans two years from now? No, but I do think that the damage that he has caused in the last couple of years will hinder Deshaun Watson's growth and his potential for the next two to three to five years. And does Deshaun Watson still have a credible amount of running ability to keep his floor high? I don't really know if his floor is that high anyway because he's got no one to throw the ball to. If running the ball is your best option, you got, you're going to have Will Fuller <laughs> maybe 50% of the games for a season. Then who else? You got Randall Cobb. You traded it away, New Hopkins, arguably the best wide receiver in the game, and for what? David Johnson? That's not going to help your quarterback, man. Uh, so, so you're proposing a game of would you rather? So, give it to me on basically the the rundown of guys. I obviously would rather have Patrick Mahomes than Deshaun Watson. I would rather have Lamar Jackson than Deshaun Watson. I would rather have Russell Wilson than Deshaun Watson. Right now, I would say I'd rather have Dak Prescott than Deshaun Watson. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Kyler is younger, he runs more, and he has a better uh, offensive scheme that's going to have him throwing the ball more with the same receiver that Deshaun Watson made a lot of his money and fantasy points on in Nuke. So I would say I'd rather have Kyler Murray right now than Deshaun Watson. The questions for me seep in where you get to that Josh Allen line. Josh Allen has played outstanding. I'm tired of picking against him. In fact, he is likely to, I'm going to preempt myself a bit. He is likely to be on my yay list because I'm tired of getting that wrong. And so, especially because I have a feeling that the team I'm going to be playing this week is going to have him in the lineup, I'm going to say yay with the offshoot chance that he may be in the nay column this week. Maybe a little bit of superstition, but I am a fantasy football player. The way it sits right now, you'd probably rather have Josh Allen, but I I don't know, and I still know Deshaun Watson has the ability. That becomes a tough decision. Unbelievable. I'm going to... I completely... I completely disagree with you. And here's why. You have your top four quarterbacks all over 100 fantasy points so far this year in Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, right? And then the and then it just drops off. So you have Russell Wilson right now with 123, Dak 117, Josh Allen 116, Patrick Mahomes 108. Then it drops. The next person then is 88 with its Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. Then you go all the way down to number 18, and that's where Deshaun Watson is sitting at at 60. He's the number 18 quarterback right now, and you have Joe Burrow, who is a number 9 quarterback right now in the NFL as a rookie, his third game in. He has an awful offensive line. He does have some weapons to throw the ball to, which is pretty, uh, which is needed. Like That's the difference between him and Deshaun Watson right now, and it's young talent. That's in-house. Deshaun Watson doesn't have young talent in-house. What do you think of um, the Seattle offensive line? Better than average. Protecting Russell Wilson-wise? Russell Wilson is a magician back there that can escape stuff, but they've never spent a ton of money on their offensive line. At least Houston has spent it on more talented players. I think that Houston has a better offensive line than Seattle. I think it's arguable that Houston has a comparable, if not better, offensive line due to the talent and the amount of money that they've paid 
than even Dallas right now because Tyron Smith is well past his prime. You can't count on Zach Martin not to be hurt, and Travis Frederick is long retired, let alone Lyle Collins being out for the year. So the line is not is He's not got the nobody thing. to throw the ball to. He's got nobody. I'm talking about okay, Joe Burrow. I'm, the way Joe Burrow is is holding himself up as a third as his third game. He's played three games in the league. He's playing him against uh, behind a subject offensive line. I'm just saying that for Joe Burrow. Deshaun Watson, yeah. But he's got no one to throw the ball to, and he's done nothing. Let's see it when Joe Burrow has to play the Steelers for two weeks and has to play the Ravens for two weeks, because that's the slot editor that uh, Deshaun Watson just went through. Deshaun Watson's got, like, four games in a row where he's going against subpar and fantasy-friendly defenses. Talk to me in about four weeks as to where Deshaun Watson's at, because he's oh not going to play, God, like, a, a under-20 quarterback. I still he's think a he's a QB1. He's played three games in the fucking This isn't an argument of whether Joe Burrow Joe Burrow is not a top 10 quarterback right now. He's literally point wise he's top 10 okay. in the fucking league. So? Does the so okay. No 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 no. No no. Let's let's get into this and let's turn this exact question around. If you're going to say he's a okay. top 10 quarterback, is Carson Wentz a top 10 quarterback? No, no, not I my points. Just your your evaluation. I'm talking points. I'm talking points. Don't no, throw my I'm words not, against me. No. Don't throw no, my words against me. No. I'm talking is points. Is he a top I 10 he's quarterback? he's a top 10 quarterback with the points. What does a top 10 quarterback mean? That means in a 10-team league, you are starting that person about 90% of the time. You're telling me that you have Carson Wentz, you have Ryan Tannehill, and you have Joe Burrow. So if Joe Burrow is really a top 10 quarterback, then you're starting him every single week. Did you start him last Who's, week? Who Who is our starting quarterback right now? Look at my I fucking roster. But that's Look at what my I mean. Roster. I'm, I'm trying to point right out the fallacy of your argument. You're not the trusting Joe Burrow argument. with... You're not trusting Dude, Joe Burrow as your starter week in and week out right now. Three, what, because he only played three fucking games, but he showed in three That's games that he's point. a top ten quarterback. He showed in three games that he is a top. He's you literally can't sitting show at in nine. three games that he's, he's a top. He's literally ten sitting at number nine. He's literally sitting at number nine. His well, stats you have through three Watson games are sitting great. There at eighteen. He's and that's, sitting that's at eighteen, I, and you're trying to tell me that he's a top five quarterback? No. I'm not going to believe it. I I'm won't. not saying Watson right now is a top five quarterback. I named you like six or seven guys I'd rather have over him right now. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I would rather have than Deshaun Watson. But right I have, now. and it has everything but, to do with what Bill O'Brien has done to that fucking team. If you're talking for the rest of this season, probably, but we're not playing in a redraft situation. I'm talking for a couple of years, and I just said that Bill O'Brien decimating that fucking offense has set Deshaun Watson back. It just has. They are one draft away from being a completely different team. And then you got a rookie wide receiver. And we've talked about it on here before, how much it takes for a rookie wide receiver to get his shit together. Yeah. It's going to be another Watson's year. Watson's got how many, ten, like another decade in the NFL? I'm you're, just you, saying. You've got to be looking, right especially now, at quarterbacks. I know he's got an injury history, but you, I have more experience and more past history with Deshaun Watson being great than I do in the three weeks with Joe Burrow. You also had Deshaun Watson having the number one fucking wide receiver in the NFL on his team, and now he doesn't. Now this best wide receiver is hurt every other year, and is the other one that he has has been in the league for over 10 years and is on his back nine, and you and I both fucking know that. Joe Burrow has 
T. Higgins, a rookie. He's got Tyler Boyd, who's young. John Ross, who's young, but still can't stay on the fucking field. Like, well, he's got people to go scratch with. last week. He's got people to play. I'm just saying. A.J. Green, yes, he's not what he used to be, but he's. I would still take A.J. Green over maybe having Will Fuller one week, maybe not having Will Fuller one week. I'm saying, for me, the jury is still out as far as it comes to Deshaun Watson. It is a wait and see. I am nervous if I am a buyer or holder of Deshaun Watson at the moment, but I'm not nervous enough to be that dumb or say that his career is finished. I'm not saying that his career is finished. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying right now is that I would much rather have, and if I'm starting a dynasty, I would rather have Joe Burrow than Deshaun Watson. That's all I'm saying. They're about the same age. That's fine. But he's like got Joe more Burrow people is to like, play with. You know, starting in the NFL with half a walker. Oh, my God. Anyway. All right. <sighs> let's let's move ahead. All right. So did you have a buy low candidate of the week? I do not. I don't have any of these. I was just going to let you roll through them. So I know he had a big week last week, but preceding those two uh, particular weeks was not great news. If I'm a dynasty owner, particularly with as much attention as was given, because he wasn't even the top receiver on his own team last week, despite him having a big week, I'm buying Michael Gallup. Uh, He came through with a huge week in a game that he needed to. I'm going to buy back in for right now. I think he's a guy that you could buy some stock in with how that offense is really humming, uh, and they're going to need with their bad offensive line and their um, really crappy, porous defense, particularly in the secondary, you're going to need to score a lot of points. Dak's going to be throwing the ball a lot, which, if I'm a Zeke owner, that concerns me a little bit, even though he's involved in the pass game, but they're not going to be running like they used to. Uh, so the, the, that's a different situation to monitor. I'm buying into a guy that has at least had a little bit of a track record where you might be able to get somebody to... Um, take an uneven trade offer on him uh sell high candidate of the week for me tyler lockett and it it's one of two things he was russell wilson's number one receiver last year until about midway through the season anybody that plays with russell wilson right now is finding the end zone is a fantasy potential asset is one play away from making your week and lockett had three touchdowns last week but I don't think his star is ever going to be higher. And I see him being locked in as the number two primary wide receiver on that team. You know how I feel about DK Metcalf. This isn't anything against Tyler Lockett, but I think he you might be able to get more of a haul than he's actually worth. I still have him locked in as a uh, wide receiver two going on wide receiver three range. And right now you might be able to get wide receiver one value for him. Uh, what I got wrong, new segment of the week, we're going to go through what I got wrong and what I got right, because I'm going to hold myself a little bit accountable for all of the calls I made. Picking the Giants to beat the 49ers at home. Boy, did I get that one wrong. That that wasn't close. Uh, Justin Herbert having a big week against Carolina. Yeah, that didn't happen. He didn't look bad, but he certainly was not worthy of my number one uh, spot on the yay list. Josh Allen, you're making me look stupid every single week. I'm tired of picking against you. Let's move on. Kenyon Drake, come on, man. 
Like, this guy is such a streaky player. He'll have five or six games where he'll be, like, the elite of the elite, and then he'll disappear for five games. You just... I'm out on the trust game on Kenyon Drake. I I just... I want no part of it. It's why I avoided him in all of my drafts uh, for redraft and otherwise. It's just... It's so hard to call him. And finally, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, I love you. I think you're an absolutely fantastic running back, but I totally got that one wrong. That's on me, my man. Uh, I I thought you were going to have a difficult day against that Washington front seven, and you just steamrolled everybody on your way to 106 yards and two touchdowns and had a great week. Congratulations to you. What I got right. Holy shit, DK Metcalf. Uh, if there's a call that I really got right, this, not only this week, but this year, I think it's him. I, I think he's going to make my uh, bold prediction before the season look um, excellent. And one of my other bold predictions by default might actually end up being um, pretty true in Clyde edwards Elaire having more points than McCaffrey. So I'm glad I called that one, even though you called me stupid. I got a little lucky, but hey, I'll take it. Uh, Alan Robinson. I got that one so right. Now, I didn't expect Foles coming in, but come on. A-Rob was in for a huge game against a shitty, shitty Falcons team. That one's going to come up later in the pod. Dak Prescott goes off against Seattle. Not much to say that where, or in that regard. Most everybody had that one. The one where I, I think I get my biggest points for, because you argued with me last week, I said the Patriots were going to shut down Darren Waller. He got two targets. One catch for the guy that had like 15 targets and 12 catches the week before against not a bad Saints defense. Dude, I got that one so right. And Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was the forgotten man behind another guy we're going to talk about later in the pod. So uh, I won't spend a whole lot of time on him, but he is he's looking like uh, he's wide receiver two on his own team, not yours. So let's do the quick league roundup. Uh, and revisit our uh, standings or our scores from week three. We'll just quickly go through it. Akron Pros uh, demolishes Dirty Carl, who had yet again to set their lineup. 180.45 to 62.6. Ed Winners gets his first win of the season in a sweet fashion, 130.15 to 83.55 against Farb for Life, who, after a great week one where he was the top scorer in the league, yeah. has just absolutely plummeted back to earth. Yeah, that's tough. King in the North has a outstanding week with 197.45 points to 136.85 to Rogers Rabbits, who's fallen on hard times. LDH at 138.1 loses to Sha Dynasty, who stays perfect at 169.25 points. Uh, backed primarily by the huge game from Allen Robinson, uh, suggested by yours truly. And then the final matchup of the week, Patrick Mahomes, I worship at your uh, altar, my friend. You saved my bacon yet again. 135.25 points for Tom Terrific, who stays perfect over the previously undefeated Cops' heroes, who had yet again to set their lineup. 101.8 points, who kept Stefan Diggs and... Uh, Darren Waller on the bench. Now, Darren Waller didn't matter too much obvi- for obvious reasons, as was previously mentioned, but Stefan Diggs had a at least decent fantasy game. Uh, this is one where uh, I had to, as my commissioner powers, 
exercise and at least set the basic lineups for Dirty Carl and Cops' Heroes. And I will be monitoring both those teams for bye weeks as we get into them after week four. Uh, any other reactions you'd like to uh, uh, give? Man, King in the North, that's scary, huh? Jeez. I got um, lucky week one. I, I really don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a pretty scary team. Um, you kind of pulled one out there. I thought you were I thought you were gonna lose for a little bit. Projections had you losing for a good couple of hours, right? Oh hell's yeah. Yep, yep. Um, I had a pretty good week. Um, disappointed I only finished as the third highest scorer. I always like to be up there in the top one. Um, still a work in progress. We'll see. What I find fascinating about my team is out of at the beginning of the year, we thought my best position was my wide receiver group, right? I have one wide receiver in the top 20. One. So, work in progress. Things change quickly in the NFL, and it's definitely evident in our dynasty teams. So, moving right along, uh, let's review the week two games. Dolphins at Jaguars. This was one of the more surprising scores that we had. Uh, I thought for sure that the Jaguars were going to take it to the Dolphins. Dolphins win 31-13 to in Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew with uh, 30 completions for 275 yards, one pick. Miles Gaskin, 22 carries for the Dolphins. But the big story of the game was James Robinson, who goes off for a huge monster game and has pretty much taken over the backfield after we were still questioning what his ability was going to be. So my question for you, where is James Robinson ranked now? Ah, man. Um, yeah, you, you really can't ignore what he's doing now. Um, helped lead Ed Winners to their first uh, win of their dynasty career, which, so congratulations to Ed. Um, but James Robinson, I would say you have to for sure have him flirting with the top 10. Um, you know, he's a consistent starter. I think you have to look at every single week. And, um, yeah, he had a hell of a week. Opportunity, volume, efficiency the kings of fantasy football he has gotten the opportunity he has taken the sheer volume of the carries in at least a competent offense and he is making the most of his opportunities i have him squarely at minimum in the running back two conversation and i agree with you he's probably edging on number one with how well he's played so far he'll get another uh, great matchup coming up this weekend texans at steelers the Texans lose on the road at, in Pittsburgh, uh, continuing their very difficult run of uh, opening games, 28-21. Uh, to 21. Deshaun Watson, 264 yards, two touchdowns. James Conner with another 100-yard rushing game and a touchdown. Randall Cobb comes out of nowhere to lead the uh, game in receiving with 95 yards and a touchdown. The question I have for you, level of worry on Deshaun Watson. I think we discussed this earlier, and I don't think we, we planned I, on. I, dis- don't I, don't, I don't think we planned on discussing it that early. Um, yeah, <laughs> if I'm a Deshaun Watson owner, yeah, I'm worried. I said he was ranked number in, 18 right now so far this year. Yeah, I'm worried. In redraft leagues, this is the exact case why you don't draft a quarterback early. Absolutely, absolutely. For where you could have had Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, or. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to think of Tyler. Kyler Murray went a little too early too, but uh, this was a guy who was picked easily inside probably the first six rounds, if not the first five. And for the guys that did that, 
Now, this isn't to say that Lamar Jackson isn't coming through eventually, but in the first couple of weeks, he hasn't been a huge um, fantasy starter like he was last year. He has had some clear regression. And for the guys that you could have gotten in the mid to late rounds, Dak Prescott was another one that was going into the seventh, eighth round at a lot of drafts. You would have been much happier with uh, Travis Kelsey in the third, fourth round or um, you know, a, a different wide receiver. You, heck, you could have gotten a Stephon Diggs or um, you know some of these other guys that were going in the fourth, fifth round and had much better value going with Josh Allen or Dak Prescott than you ever got out of Deshaun Watson. It's just another one where I, I prove maximizing value on Kareem Hunt Car- or Chris Carson, um, some of these other guys that are kind of in the middle of their career, but they've pretty much established who they are and be offering them up to uh, teams that were in the playoff hunt for whatever they did. So let's say if my team was one in five, I'd be offering you or Ben uh, Kareem Hunt or Chris Carson or uh, Amari Cooper possibly for um, maybe some younger players or guys that I'd be having different picks for. And I think that's a conversation you need to have with your own team in these uh, dynasty seasons and that not enough teams have uh, that self-reflective nature to be able to call that out. All right, uh, Cowboys at the professional football team. So given that Dallas's offensive line has been absolutely porous and Zach Martin is going to be out for this game, although apparently they got some decent injury news that Cam Irving, one of their tackles, might be back for this game, uh, and the fact that Washington's um, offensive line is also abysmal, more sacks given up during this game, Dallas or Washington? Oh, man. I, for me, it comes down to more weapons, I guess, on the defensive side, but both of the defenses are pretty shitty, too. Chase Young, what's the name, uh, the defensive end for the Cowboys? Um, Lawrence. Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence, yep. Um, well, he isn't even their best guy so far this year. It's right. Alden Smith. Right. And then you have Alden Smith on the other side. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Cowboys just because I guess I like them but more than their um, – man, I almost said it – more than the football team. Um, but, man, this is going to be just a gross game to watch. Oh, it is possibly the most ugly game of the weekend. Yeah, and this one's going to be a gross one. I mean, there are like four or five games that I'm barely going to be Oh yeah. to. Yeah, this is a bad this week is... matchup-wise. Oh, yeah. I really don't know. I think it's a coin toss, but I don't see there being less than five combined sacks by both teams, and that might be a low number. Uh, so the other question I had for this game, because I could really uh, torture us with trying to talk about Dallas and Washington, but... Dallas is on a historical pace for the worst turnover margin in the history of the NFL. And Washington has one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks currently starting for them that I think set the record for uh, highest uh, turnover rate in the last half of last season in Kyle Allen. So more turnovers this game, Dallas or Washington? Got Andy Dalton versus Kyle Allen. Two premier quarterbacks going up against each other. Then you got Zeke, who can't hold on to a football. Apparently, yeah, this one's gonna be a really is gonna be a really bad one. Um, I guess I'll go Dallas just because uh, two beats one. <laughs> so the Buccaneers at the Raiders is our next game, and this is a game that has completely flipped. 
uh, as to its watchability. This was supposed to have been on Sunday night. They moved it into the afternoon slate because we got a bunch of positive COVID tests on the Raiders and other guys that have to at least quarantine. So there is a huge question because some of these guys were close contact, uh, whether or not um, four out of the five offensive linemen for the Raiders are even going to be able to play in the game. If they have tested positive for five consecutive days and the fifth day would be tomorrow morning, Sunday morning for the game, they could play. But already you're seeing that uh, Tampa Bay's defense and that front seven is just elite. And so in my other league where I have Josh Jacobs, I already benched him because there's just I, I, I have no confidence in starting him this week. And I had other options. I had Mike Davis and or uh, Jarek McKinnon and um, Kareem Hunt, Chris Carson. So I felt good enough to to put him on the bench because I think he's going to have a horrible game. He made my uh, nay list for the week, which we won't go through. I'll just. Uh, point everybody on to that, and I'll link it in the show notes. But uh, it's been out since Thursday. If you haven't read it already, that's your own problem. Is this game going to even be close? Um, it'll be closer if the Raiders have an offensive line. Um, but what I saw Tampa Bay do to Green Bay last week was scary as hell. Then they add Antonio Brown and his nonsense um, to an already very good football team, um, Tampa Bay, um, they might now live up to the hype. You know, these for the first couple of games, we were we were questioning, you know, were they overhyped? Were they overrated? Um, they're getting better and better each week. You saw Gronk getting more and more involved, that he's more than just a blocker. So if the Raiders' offensive line does not play, I think Derek Carr gets ripped apart. If they do play, um, they haven't practiced all week long. Um, I still think he gets ripped apart. So, no, I, I don't think this game will be close. I think Tampa Bay – I know Antonio Brown isn't playing this game, um, but I think Tampa Bay runs away with this one pretty handedly. Even though I take a little bit of pause with who the Packers are after that game last weekend, it was a nationally televised game. And thus, I think most people are taking way too much stock in who Tampa Bay is and uh, who they were before this, because they really have only seen that one game. I still think they're extremely limited on offense. This is a team that uh, really should be running the football more. I think even with Antonio Brown next week, I really don't know who they are because they're only going to be throwing the ball five and ten yards at a time. So it's it's strange to me that we somehow think that um, Tampa Bay is among the elite teams yet. They're one of the elite defenses, but their offensive line did not allow a sack last week, and their entire team went without a penalty for the first time this season. They were the most penalized team going into last weekend. Then you talk about all the weather conditions and everything else that was going on in that game. I treat that one as a weird outlier, not as indicative of who they actually are. So I think it could go one of two ways with the Antonio Brown situation. Either Tom Brady keeps him in line, which we already saw last season where Antonio Brown played for them for one game, then was making comments about Robert Kraft and massages uh, immediately on Twitter after the game. So I don't think that's going to happen. Or Antonio Brown ends up creating a huge chaos in that locker room and it explodes and the whole team kind of implodes on itself like a dying star. Well, I mean, for me, I saw what Tampa Bay could be. 
I don't know if they're there yet, but what they did to Green Bay was scary in a way. I mean, you and I were on the same page at the beginning of the year saying that Tampa Bay was overrated. I still think that the talk is way louder than how good the team actually is. But that being said, you can't deny what they did last week. I don't think Green Bay brought their A game. I don't even thought that I don't even think they brought their B game. But this is still the National Football League, and what they did on last week Sunday, um, we can't forget what they did. They're a good football team. They that they're, defense that defense is really good. They're an elite football team with an offensive scheme that you would normally say is better than average. But they remind me of. Uh, or their offense reminds me right now of that Lakers team that had Steve Nash and Dwight Howard and uh, Kobe at the end, where they just started bringing in every guy that had a name because they thought that would somehow make things better. And Grant couldn't even spike the ball with one one of his arms last week. I mean, let, let, let's be realistic here. Mike Evans, his, uh, what is it, yardage per target rate has gone in half. Chris Godwin's been barely able to stay on the field. Mike Evans has had a bad foot literally all season, and their one shining light has been Ronald Jones. I think if Ronald Jones was not um, putting up a big game last week against Green Bay where they really controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, that that would have been a much different game and that Tampa Bay would have been uh, in a much closer match. But they basically controlled the clock, ran the football, and were able to control both the – uh, line of scrimmage on the defensive and offensive sides of the ball that last week. I really don't think they're as good as everybody seems to think that they're this 38 to 10 football team. And I didn't even think that game completely f- uh, flipped on those two interceptions. Like the fight and the will of Green Bay just completely uh, got let out of the balloon when that happened. And I, I don't know if it was a confidence thing, if it was a momentum thing, but they just looked like they quit after that happened. Like they, they didn't understand it because green Bay was dominating the entire first quarter. So I, I think it's, it's not nearly as much as everybody put stock into. And I'm very much cautioning because I think the Buccaneers are maybe a 11 and five, 10 and six team that may make a run in the playoffs not a 13 and three compete for the number one seed team. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, Chiefs at Broncos, bigger game for you, CEH or the Denver running backs. I'm going to default and say it's Philip Lindsay because I don't know what Melvin Gordon's status is after last week. Yeah. Um, from what I keep reading is, um, Melvin and Lindsley are going to be splitting carries. Um, so they're doing a whole committee thing right now. Um, but Denver, they give up the second fewest um, points to running backs. Kansas City, they give up the 17th fewest. Um, that being said, I think um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is kind of hitting his stride. Um, he's only been under 10 points once in his young career. Um, he had a really big week last week, and I think he builds off of that. Um, so I'm going to go Clyde Edwards Lair. I think he has a bigger week than the Denver running backs. I think he has a touchdown, whether it be receiving or rushing. Um, but I think he has a bigger week. I think Kansas city is going to play this game very close to the line of scrimmage. They're going to drop a guy into the box and basically dare drew lock to try and beat them. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I would say this is the game that is most likely that we get 
um, CEH involved in the passing game for once, as opposed to the the running game where he got like 30 carries last week. Because I think Kansas City wanted to prove something last week, uh, running against Buffalo and had the matchup to do it. Uh, this game, I think he uh, ends up with a lot more catches out of the backfield to prove his um, versatility as a, as a receiver. So I would probably default to him as well, just because I wouldn't say that there's any one Denver running back that is going to get a ton of touches. And if the Broncos get down early in this game, then they're probably going to go away from the run. Okay, let's go to 49ers at Patriots. It is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo versus Bill Belichick. Uh, but the biggest one to me, because the Patri- or the 49ers have not put up huge numbers through the air except to George Kittle so far, the bigger game, Debo Samuels, or the ever-elusive big game from Julian Edelman? Yeah, this was a really, really tough question. A really good question, but a really, really tough question. New England, they give up the 13th most points to wide receivers. San Francisco, they give up the ninth fewest. Um, but that being said, Debo Samuel is not heavily involved in the receiving um, game in San Francisco. Um, you always see him get a lot of jet sweeps and everything like that. And Julian Edelman, he really hasn't connected with Cam Newton quite yet. Really kind of been disappointing, to be completely honest. Um, so I'm going to go with Debo Samuel just because of his versatility. I think he'll get another rushing touchdown. Um, he'll have a decent amount of rushing yards, and he'll he'll grab a couple of uh, He'll grab a couple of balls, too. So I'm going to go Debo Samuel. He'll have a better game than Julian Edelman. I think Edelman is at the last stages of his career. I would not be shocked if he retired after this season, knowing how hard it was to play with uh, a completely new quarterback and in this system. And it it just it it looks like he's lost a step and uh, that he might not be there anymore. His one big game was against Seattle and. Frankly, that was the only game that Cam threw for over 200 yards in. So it, it's it stands to reason that it's most likely Debo because I don't think we've seen him at full strength yet. And we really saw that he was getting uh, carries in the running game. We were getting um, decent reception yardage. And the 49ers really like to try and get him in space and get him the ball in a lot of different ways. So I would guess that it's probably Debo as well. All right, my underrated week game of the week, the Jaguars at the Chargers. I think this might be possibly the highest scoring game of the weekend, and I think it might be one of the most fun. Uh, over under 59.5 points in this game. Actually, I kind of want to hear your take on it um, because it is your game of the week, and you're the one that thinks it's going to be super high scoring. So I kind of want to hear your take on it. So – you look at where uh, the Lions-Jaguars game was. I thought that uh, the Jaguars have allowed pretty good points to running backs the last three weeks. DeAndre Swift had his breakout last week. Joe Mixon had a breakout three weeks ago against Jacksonville. So I think they're going to give up a lot of yards. And Justin Herbert has yet to really have a bad game, um, at least passing-wise. So it, the Chargers' offense is going to put up a lot of points against a really bad Jacksonville defense. By that same token, the Chargers' defense has been extremely beat up. Other than maybe uh, the Jets, the Giants, uh, the Eagles, and the 49ers, you could put the, the Chargers' defense right among those teams of just 
terrible injuries all over the place. And they have not looked at full strength most of the year. So teams have been able to score on them, namely uh, uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, both had comeback wins against the Chargers. So I think this is going to be an up and down game uh, all over the field. I expect pretty much anybody involved in this game to have a lot of points fantasy wise. And this might be one of the more entertaining ones because it might play out like a Mac football league game more than an actual NFL game. So I'm going over. Right. Cool. I mean, for me, I, I guess I'll, I'll take the under. Uh, just I'm not super thrilled about it. Everything you said makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but just for argument's sake, I'll take the under. I think this game could be 35-31. Make sure you put your bets in on Vegas. Well, you think about it, Tampa Bay and um, New Orleans and the Chargers had all or both had several sets of those games. Um, the Bengals and uh, Jaguars had a huge game. You know, I, I just I really don't see unless the Chargers defense shuts down the Jaguars offense, which may or may not happen. I just see a lot of points in this game because I think DJ Chark has another week to kind of get right. Uh, Keelan Cole had another kind of outlier game as he occasionally does. He pops up for one of those. And James Robinson's had a couple of quiet weeks where uh, I expect at some point the Jacksonville Jaguars to uh, their offense to kind of come around again. So this is just one of those that I kind of have my eye on and uh, think could be much more entertaining than people think. So uh, the other big game of the weekend and, uh, I had the Jaguars and Chargers as my underrated game. I have the Steelers and Titans as my regular game of the week, but this might be the one with the most implications outside of uh, the Steelers-Titans game, which I think kind of by default was the game of the week. But this is the first real test that I've thought uh, the Seahawks could lose. Uh, They're going to Arizona, and you have possibly the two most dominant uh, fantasy wide receivers so far this season. Uh, New Hopkins has been the number one receiver on and off uh, a couple of different weeks. Um, DK Metcalf has been the number one deep threat and the most efficient fantasy player so far this season. So bigger game out of this one. You know what you're probably going to get out of just about everybody else in this game. We've talked it to death, and I didn't want to do another Kenyon Drake question. So DK Metcalf or New Hopkins? I'm good if we never talk about Kenyon Drake ever again. Um <laughs> For me, this one was a really another really tough question. These are two premier wide receivers. Um, DK Metcalf is having himself a hell of a year. I'm going to go with DK Metcalf, and this is the reason why. Um, New Hopkins typically um, kind of gets his points late. Um, as a owner of New Hopkins, like I'm always sitting there. It's like, all right, the third quarter. All right, the fourth quarter, and he kind of gets his points a little bit later. DK Metcalf is so intertwined in that offense. It kind of goes through him as well as um, Chris Carson because we know Seattle likes to run the ball, but he is the main option that they have in Seattle. Um, New Hopkins is also still battling that ankle injury. Um, He's... Not averaging as many points as DK. Nuke is only averaging 16. Uh, DK is averaging 18. Um, Arizona, they do give up the fifth fewest points, and Seattle gives up the most points. But even so, I'm still going um, DK just because 
Nuke isn't 100% healthy, and DK is just so important to that offense. I'm tempted to say Nuke because I think the Cardinals are going to have to score with Seattle in order to win this game. But the Arizona defense has quietly kind of come around, and it's not just because they played Dallas, but they've kind of solidified their back end even without Chandler Jones. So I wonder if they might have a little bit better uh, time trying to slow down Seattle than uh, a lot of other teams so far this year. I know that sounds weird, but you don't have to slow down Seattle much on offense if you can kind of score with them. That being said, I do take into account that uh, Christian Kirk had an okay game and he had a few more targets last week. So the the distribution to him uh, seemed a little bit higher than it had been in other weeks where they really kind of force fed it to Nuke because um, Kirk was out and um, they kind of didn't have too many other great options. So I'm a bit torn just because you know how much I love Metcalf. He was one of my preseason predictions that's really kind of hit home and I've been proudest of. I'm going to go the other way just for the sake of devil's advocate, but it's, I think this is really a coin flip between the two because mm-hmm. they've both been absolute they've studs both this been year. So good. They've both been so good. And this one will be a lot of fun to watch. Like as a wide receiver, like that's really what I'm going to pay attention to. There's going to be a lot of really good grabs that both of these guys are going to have. Um, there's going to be a lot of great route running and there's going to be a lot of points between these two. Like I really, really think, we're going to look back on this one too and think, man, what a fucking battle that these two had. It's just going to be a fun game and I really want to tune in. So let's turn to the other primetime game, Monday night's game that I think is going to be much less watchable. Uh, Currently the Rams are favored by six. The Rams are four and two. They have all four of their wins against the NFC least. Uh, So this, however, features probably two of the elite pass rushers in this this league, Aaron Donald, who could be the uh, best defensive tackle in the history of football, and Khalil Mack. So more sacks in this game, Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald because he plays everywhere. Um, defensive tackle. Um, he plays on the outside. The guy is just a freak of fucking nature. And, like, Khalil Mack, like, he's really, really good and all that other stuff, too. But, like, when you can't plan for where a guy is going to be, it makes it so much harder to stop said man. Um, So I'm going Aaron Donald just because he's everywhere. Aaron Donald, to me, is the most dominant defensive player in football, and it's not close. I'm never betting against him. I will take him no matter which week it is and no matter the stats because he is the biggest defensive record in the league, bar none. Um, So the other thought I had in this particular game, and I thought this was kind of a tricky question, Darrell Henderson Jr. or David Montgomery, who has more yards? I don't fucking know. How do we know that Darrell Henderson is going to even lead that Rams backfield? (laughs) <laughs> there you go. The exact reason why I asked this question you would normally default to the Rams running back, but David Montgomery is the sole runner for the bears right now and getting almost all of the vo- or uh, volume for that team. Whereas Darrell Henderson jr. Was last week. And you would think that the Rams might have a better time running the football than the bears, but because you can't say for certain who knows? I would not be surprised if Cam Akers went off for like 150 yards and two touchdowns. 
That wouldn't surprise me with like 18 carries. Oh, it would not surprise me. Oh, dear Lord, baby Jesus, please let Cam Akers but go then, off so but his then the, trade value <laughs> shoots up. But then the next week, he'll have six carries for like 12 yards. Uh, underrated stud of the week. Who do you got down? I'm going to go with, um, and this is only if he plays. And I think if he plays, um, he'll be a top 12 uh, running back this week. And that's Jamal Williams. If Jamal Williams gets the, uh, if Aaron Jones is out and Jamal Williams gets the bulk of the carries, I think Jamal Williams could end up being a a top 12 uh, running back play this week. Uh, I went with Justin Jackson. Again, this is me betting against that Jacksonville run defense more than anything. And it kind of paid off for me for my long shot of the week last week uh, for DeAndre Swift, who I also still really like. And we kind of mentioned it earlier in the show, but if Justin Jackson doesn't play, and right now he's kind of iffy or he's questionable for this game, I think he's going to be a game-time decision. Um, if Josh Kelly ends up playing, he's probably going to get the majority of the carries at that point, and so I would really like him. But either one of those guys against that Jacksonville run defense I think could have a huge day, over 100 yards, multiple touchdowns, and have some receiving yardage that really ticks up because uh, Jacksonville's defense is horrible. Like, could, quite literally could be the worst defense in the league uh we already kind of gave our game of the weeks but do you kind of want to highlight anything about any of these matchups no i mean you got two undefeated squads going up against each other in pittsburgh and the tight and tennessee um and for me i mean i'll even get into my upset of the week i think the steelers take that um tennessee is favored a point and a half i think the steelers win um, so I think that is going to be my game of the week and my upset of the week. That one's going to be a fun one. Super excited to watch it. I don't know if that's going to be a hugely high scoring game, nope. but I think it's possibly going to be the most, uh, fierce it's going to be the old school. Um, just a bunch of dudes going out there and just beating the crap out of each other. And yeah, I'm I, super excited to watch it. I, I think this could be one of the, um, this could be Alabama LSU, uh, yeah. level, you know, yeah. level play. Uh, I think they could score. Neither of these teams is probably going to score under 20, but it's whichever team might hit 30 is most likely to come out with this one. Whoever has the ball last might kick a late field goal. At that point, I I would probably favor the Steelers as well, just because of how badly Guskowski has played this year. Uh, but uh, so as far as the upsets of the week, uh, I have several that I've had my eye on. Uh, I really like the Lions, who are plus two on the road at Atlanta. I like the Steelers giving up a point and a half to Tennessee. I like Washington just because I think that's an ugly game, and I really didn't see much out of Dallas last week that would indicate to me that they're um, uh, going to have a, a ability to really win on the road. Uh, so the other one that I have is the Bears and the Rams, and this is not necessarily a game I'm picking the Bears per se, uh, because I think that the Rams um, might pull this one out, but the Rams are getting six points. Uh, I, I really just, I don't see that the Rams are going to pull away and really like score more than, a, or have a touchdown or more um, win this week. I, I, I just, I'm not seeing it. So that one to me, if you uh, want to take the points, uh, I don't know if I'm taking the Bears, but I'm taking the points against the Rams. Uh, league matchups preview. So let's just quickly run through the Dynasty League. Akron Pros is pl- and now um, playing the um, renamed Dumpster Fire. 
Uh, which I I have to give him a little bit of credit for for going there. Uh, He changed his team logo. He did the whole thing, and I I think it's great. The soon-to-be-renamed Caps' Heroes versus King in the North. Dirty Carl versus LDH. Uh, LDH is trying to make that late playoff push yet. Uh, Ed Winters versus Rogers Rabbits, two teams that are just on the outside of the playoff picture um, trying to get a win, so that'll be an important one. And then the Titanic matchup. Hell yeah, Tom man. Terrific versus yep. Dynasty. Yep. The top two teams in the league facing yep. off. Looking uh, for first place. Winner winner gets first place. Not really. No, I think you're going to have it because you have more points. Yeah, even if I lose, I would Yeah, I'd have to blow your ass out. But, I mean, it would be the bragging whites. Well, at least until the playoffs. So this one's gonna be this one's gonna be a good one. You think now, you are not gonna win? Um, I've had a couple of players go. Um, Evan Ingram did what Evan Ingram has been doing, and gave me pretty basic. And then my kicker gave me a total of zero points. So that was exciting. Haven't picked up a defense yet. Gonna be doing that tomorrow. I was gonna pick up the uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense, but um, dumpster fire. Apparently they're investing now. So. They took that defense away from me, so we'll see. Haven't really looked into it yet. Going to do some Sunday morning research, pop them into my lineup. Uh, As I mentioned before, my yay-nay list goes up every Thursday. Uh, A couple of our league members have now subscribed to my personal blog. If you have not already, uh, please do so. Uh, You will get updates as to everything I publish. Everything that's up there right now, I have some movie reviews that are going up. Uh, It's getting into award season. I'll be covering all of those. I just put up my review this week of the Trial of the Chicago 7 out on Netflix. Uh, We also have everything to do with both of our podcasts. I have my weekly um, Dynasty Pickups uh, article that comes out on Tuesdays, my yay-nay list that comes out on Thursdays. So thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again after this week to recap this weekend's action for you. Until then... Um, not very good luck this week, Tom. Um, you can have better luck next week against Ben. Um, but I hope you don't have good luck this week. Um, but for everyone else, good luck, wear a mask, and we'll talk to you next week. Good luck and good scoring. I will say, if I had to pick which of the two weeks, if I could only win one, I'd rather win against Ben next week than against you this week. So (laughs) you want to go 2-0 against Big Ben. That would be exciting. Well, given that he's in my division, I yep. look at that one as a much bigger win uh, because I think he's a bigger threat right now than you are. Anyway, no! this podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.